so funny. All right. So welcome back, everybody. This is James Wilson with MTB Strength Training Systems and BikeJames.com. And today I want to talk about why mountain bikers should consider training like bodybuilders from time to time. So on the surface, this question seems absurd, right? It's like, should we train like bodybuilders? It's like, well, obviously not, right? We're not bodybuilders. We're mountain bikers. We should train like mountain bikers. I mean, I've got a company that that specializes in helping riders train specifically for the demands of mountain biking. So why would we want to train like a bodybuilder? And so to explain my, my, you know, my train of thought on this, just, you know, backtrack a little bit. So when I first started working out in, you know, the early nineties, I mean, she's probably started lifting weights in the late eighties. I think I've been lifting weights for like 30 plus years and, but everybody was a bodybuilder. Like that was it. Like if you lifted weights, lifting weights equal bodybuilding, strength training equal bodybuilding, like bodybuilding was it. And so, you know, it, uh, I, I trained that way. And through, uh, the years I had these different influences. I started to run track. And so that introduced me to using strength training for the purposes of improving my performance. And I noticed that the stuff that I was doing in track was, you know, definitely different than the bodybuilding stuff that I had been doing. And then I also got introduced to functional training actually pretty early on. I was lucky enough to, uh, have, um, what was it? Uh, T nation, T dash nation, uh, muscle media 2000 before that. So these were some of the early media influences that brought functional training to uh, the forefront and got us thinking about things like, oh, let's train, you know, movement patterns instead of muscle groups. And that makes a lot of sense, right? If you're an athlete, training your hip hinge makes more sense than training your quote unquote hamstrings or something, right? And so uh, functional training definitely had a lot of value. And you started to get the, the terms like, you know, looks like Tarzan plays like Jane, you know, to describe what could end up being like a puffed up uh, physique that really didn't perform very well. And again, if you look at professional bodybuilders, you know, a lot of them, they're not super athletic, especially when they're really in shape, right? Like when they're ready for a bodybuilding contest, like that's all they're able to do is stand on that stage and pose. Like they're so close to death's door that they're really not very athletic and can't do much. So those physiques from a functional standpoint are, are almost worthless, right? Like taking your, your physique to that level at that point from a functional standpoint, like you're much less of an athlete than you, than, uh, than you would be. So again, on the surface, you know, functional training has a lot of value and, and I, I think that it does. And so, you know, over the years, I've been a big voice for functional training for mountain biking, helping people to, you know, understand like how the hip hinge relates to their body position on the bike and, you know, all sorts of things that I've been doing since 2005 when I started my first, you know, got my first website uh, going to help promote this stuff because this was specifically what I wanted to help riders understand more because I saw that a lot of the stuff that riders were doing, <clears throat> excuse me, at the time was basically bodybuilding bullshit in disguise. I remember going through Joe Friel's uh, mountain bikers training Bible. When I first started riding, I got my first bike in 2000. So I started researching, like, how do I get better at this? Because I knew from my track experience that, that body, that street training was going to be one of the fastest ways to help me improve with my sport. And so I started looking around, like how, you know, how do you train for mountain biking? What's the strength training tactics? And there really wasn't anything out there. And the few things that were, like I said, like Joe Friel's book, what was bodybuilding bullshit in disguise. It was, you know, let's do three sets of 10 on squats and leg uh, press or, you know, and then leg curls and leg extensions. And that's a mountain biking workout. And it's like, I, I knew from my experience that that wasn't the case, right? That there was more to how athletes train than lifting specifically like bodybuilders. And so that was literally the reason that I started MTB strength training systems was to help get this information out there to mountain bikers and help them understand like 
there's a better way to train. You know, a lot of riders would have bad experiences with strength training and say, oh, strength training doesn't work. Or they may do some study that is studying the effects of strength training on cycling. But when you look at what they were doing, they weren't following like good strength training principles from a functional training standpoint. And it's like, well, no wonder you didn't see the results that you wanted on the trail. But that doesn't mean that strength training doesn't work, right? So uh, functional training is definitely the best way to go about training for mountain biking. But throughout the years, I've started to think that I may have gone a little too far uh, in my purge of bodybuilding, right? Like the old saying, like, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. And I think that we've done that to some degree with bodybuilding, that there are, there's value to uh, building muscle and that there are a lot of lessons that we can, can learn from bodybuilders that can help us uh, as mountain bikers. And so um, again, the, the building muscle is one of these things that a lot of riders you know, I, I've, I think people are a little bit more aware of putting on some muscle because you start lifting weights is probably good, right? Like I would go through this a lot when I first started talking about strength training or, you know, people start one of my workout programs and if they've never lifted weights before, or they haven't done it in a long time or in any real formal fashion, and they start in on a, a good strength training program, like you're naturally going to add muscle, right? And then people would freak out. They're like, holy crap, my weight's going up, right? And and I had to explain to them that like, well, what you really want, it's not your weight, it's your strength to weight ratio, your strength to power ratio, right? Like that's what as an athlete defines how effective you're going to be. So being a light, weak athlete is not better than being a slightly heavier, much stronger athlete. And so the, the uh, you know, you know, people kind of, I think, understand this a little bit better. And so adding muscle has some value, but there's a difference between adding muscle because you've started to lift weights and you've never really done it before and specifically and purposefully lifting to gain muscle. And there is some value in the latter, right? And so again, like I would explain to riders, hey, if you start a good functional training program and you put on some, some weight because of that, like that's probably going to help you. But I never really like advocated and said like, hey, we need to spend like specific periods of time working on on building muscle because that was bodybuilding and bodybuilding is not functional and everybody knows that. And so um, but I do think, like I said, there is some value to it. So a couple things that that muscle can do for you. One, it serves as natural armor. And I have to credit uh, Dan John, who's one of my you know mentors in this field, who, who's kind of opened my eyes to some of these thoughts. And, you know, he refers to uh, bodybuilding as armor building, right? And so again, he's, he's very smart, like psychologically that way, because dealing with athletes, if you're like, hey, I don't want to put on muscle because I got to worry about, you know, this or whatever in your head, you think putting on weight is bad. Well, if I tell you we're, we're building armor, right? It's armor building. And so as mountain bikers, we need that armor, right? Like there's two kinds of riders out there, those that have crashed and those that are waiting to crash. Like you're going to hit the ground if you ride mountain bikes. If you're not, you're probably not doing it right. Um, if you're doing it all the time, you're probably not doing it right, right? But anyway, so you need some natural armor to help you bounce, so to speak. Um, and, and so, you know, adding some weight can actually make you more resilient and help you, uh, you know, survive crashes and, and, you know, just be able to withstand the, the rigors of mountain biking better. Another thing that think about, especially as you get older, and this is probably one of the reasons this has come more to my front of my head, right? I'm 46 now, but as you age, you're going to lose muscle. It's just the natural process of things. And so the more muscle that you have, the longer that can take. And if you're doing things to try and build muscle, you're, you're trying to work against that, right? Like you may not, you know, get to a point where you're actually building muscle, but you're going to be working against 
muscle loss through trying to build muscle, right? And so you can slow this process down. And one of the biggest losses of performance for older riders is loss of muscle, right? You start to lose muscle, you start to lose strength, you start to lose power. And so the the more muscle that you have and having tactics to help you maintain that muscle is going to help you be able to ride at a higher level longer into your career. And the other thing is that muscle can also serve as the engine for more strength gains. And so this is why in a lot of periodization programs, you know, old school periodization programs, you would see a, you know, quasi bodybuilding type phase early on, and they would work on building muscle. That would be one of the things that they would work on early in the off season is building muscle because that muscle would serve both as the engine for strength gains in later phases of the workouts. And also muscle is armor. You're going to lose muscle throughout the season. So the more you have going into the season within reason, obviously, right, the longer it's going to be until you get to like those critical levels of, of muscle loss affecting your performance. And so there's a lot of value for that. And so um, I actually have, if you look at my ultimate MTB workout program, I think phase two or whatever is really kind of a sneaky, tricky little bodybuilder phase. I didn't realize that it was until I started looking at it through these different eyes, but like it's three sets of 10, you're doing a two, zero, two tempo. So down to a count of two, no pause up to a count of two. And I'm encouraging you to keep constant tension on the muscles. And it, you know, for us, it's kind of a, a, a conditioning uh, workout like that, that style of, of workout, like higher reps without any rest, just that constant movement, um, acts as a conditioning tool for us, but really it's kind of a bodybuilder, uh, phase thing. That's something that bodybuilders would do too. And so it, it, but anyway, so that's, you know, good periodization models will have some sort of muscle building early on to help, you know, precipitate the strength gains and stuff that you're looking for later on. So in general, building muscle tends to focus more on lots of volume, you know, total reps with moderate to short rest periods, whereas building strength and power tends to focus on lower volume, right? Lower total reps with longer rest periods. And so as if we're trying to build strength and power, we do that. And so the bulk of what you're going to find functional training programs tend to do is focus more on, you know, some of these aspects. Again, you'll have functional training like CrossFit that turns stuff into a cardio workout. So you're doing exercises that are better done at lower reps with longer rest, like Olympic lifts that they are doing with high volume and short rest, right? So you can shove a freaking square peg into a round hole if you want, but in general, right? If we're just talking about in general, you're going to find these basic things, right? So I've actually got an article on my blog, man, I cannot remember the name of it. I'll try and remember to link to it in the show notes here. But it talks about like this amount of volume equals this results, right? And so if you have a workout where you're doing like, you know, 15 reps or less total for an exercise, right? So you're doing, you know, three sets of five with the deadlift. That's going to stimulate more of a strength gain than a size gain, right? But then you could be doing like five sets of five with the deadlift. Now you're doing 25 reps. And this is kind of straddling the middle between strength which tends to be like, you know, 10 to 15 reps or less and, and volume or muscle building, which is, you know, 30 to 40 reps or more. Right. And so, but then you can also take those deadlifts and do three sets of 10. And now you've got 30 reps or three sets of 12. You've got 36 reps. So same exercise. But if you look at the total reps that you're doing in the, with that exercise, you can get a, an idea of like, what kind of change am I stimulating in my body? with this amount of volume. And so when, so 
with all that information, like what you're looking for is 25 plus total reps, getting you into that muscle building zone. But, you know, 30 plus reps is going to be optimal for, for muscle building. So, you know, things like the tried and true three sets of 10, right? It's, it's boring, but that's the original research strength training protocol that showed through science that this protocol builds muscle and strength, right? And so it's a, uh, you know, yes, you need to do more than three sets of 10, but there's value to doing three sets of 10, um, you know, three sets of 10 to 12 or, or you know, 12 to 15 reps, um, four sets of eight, right? We're talking uh, what is this? 30, 16, 32 reps total with that, uh, 10 by three, right? Like this is actually one of my, my ones I really like for trying to build volume and, and, and muscle is, you know, flip that, right? Instead of doing three sets of 10, do 10 sets of three. So it's the same volume. You're doing 30 reps total, but you're going to be able to do more weight. And so you're going to be getting, you know, I, in my experience, that 10 by three is a, a freaking super powerful. Again, I've got that in the uh, the ultimate MTB workout in one of the later phases, but we're also, I don't quite get to 10 by three. I keep it to eight by three. Uh, because again, what the total volume, right? Like in we're at that phase, we're trying to keep not necessarily build muscle, but that volume, the way that you're able to build volume with the, lots of sets with low reps is another way to go about, um, you know, creating like a bodybuilder type stimulus. Right. And so five sets of five is, is another tried and true one that kind of straddles that line between strength and muscle building. So these rep schemes are again, tried and true bodybuilding rep schemes. And again, if you want to build muscle, nobody knows more about building muscle than bodybuilders. And so look at what are bodybuilders doing? And that's going to help give you an idea of like, well, what do I need to build muscle? Now, again, you don't, you know, I, I still think that even with bodybuilding phases, looking at movement patterns, right? Still training press and pull and squat and hinge and these things, as opposed to like reverting to more of an anatomy-based training where you're doing chest and shoulders and hamstrings and quads, right? So I think that there's still value to using that, that way of, of programming, but you're looking at building a lot of volume with these exercises. And so uh, you can also you think, do things like drop sets, right? Where like you do a you know, uh, your reps and you burn out and you can't do any more reps. And then you rack the weight and you grab a, a lower, you know, set of dumbbells or kettlebells and you keep going, you do that like two or three times. Um, you can do like strip sets on a bar where you've got a partner, you get to the end, you rack it, they strip a plate off, you start going again. Like there's all sorts of things that you can do to really force yourself into that high volume, um, you know, small rest fatigue, uh, stimulating, uh, you know, condition that you need to stimulate muscle growth. Right. And so there's, there's a whole rabbit hole that you can dive down to get into that. But the basics are the volume, what's your total volume. Right. And so, you know, having some phases where you are focusing on building that volume with short rest, right. Like 30 seconds or less between, uh, between sets, like definitely less than a minute. Right. Like the thing that I like to do is actually I'll, I'll use kind of a escalating density style. Right. So like I'll do it, uh, and you know, like I'll do my 10 by three, and then when I'll, I'll give myself a minute rest between sets and then I'll start to shorten that rest. And when I can do all 10 sets of three with 30 seconds of rest or less, it's time to move the weight up. And then when I move the weight up, I naturally have to extend my rest periods and then I start to shorten the rest periods. But, you know, I, I try to if I if I have to rest more than a minute between sets, then the weight's probably too high. I'm not able to keep that high enough pace and build that fatigue like I want. You know, whereas if I'm getting shorter than 30 seconds rest, it's probably not heavy enough. And I need to, you know, up the intensity a little bit. So somewhere between 30, 
30 to 60 seconds rest. Um, this is also where like supersets come in. So you can train like, you know, one muscle, like do a pressing exercise and then, and then rest like 15, 20 seconds and then do a, uh, a pulling exercise, right? Like, you know, for, for real, you know, if you really want to just induce the fatigue, like just focusing, do all your sets on one movement and then move to the next movement. And again, it's not a super efficient way to train as far as like getting a lot of exercises in, but that is going to create that vol or, you know, the volume and the fatigue that's going to stimulate the, the muscle growth. Um, another thing to consider are using isolation exercises. So again, this is another one that I think got thrown out with the bathwater. I mean, everybody's like, you know, curls are non-functional. We don't do curls. Curls are stupid. Right. And it's like, man, well, you know, again, Dan John talks about doing, uh, you know, like power curls where you got a barbell and you're having like use a little like kind of a hip hinge explosive movement to, to power them up. And that, you know, the, those, the, that movement there has some value. And one of the things that it does, you know, with isolation exercises, when you do them properly, they create what I call an active isometric environment, right? So active isometric isolation exercises are what we're looking for. And that, it's just, what that means is, is we want to have our rest of our body creating a platform for that single joint to move from. And what this means is, is like machines and stuff. Again, I'm not going to say never, right? Like uh, another one of my early influences, Ian King, uh, talked about how using the words always and never shows a lack of critical thinking skills. So like I hesitate to use the word never. So like, I'm not going to say machines are never, you know, uh, to be used in your program, but in general, I think they're going to have less utility for us than isolation exercises where your body is having to create the platform. So, you know, just like a bicep curl where you're standing there and you're having to create the platform. That's like a standing plank. And for you to curl heavy weight, like you need a strong platform to curl from. And so that is an active, like the, your, your body's having to create this isometric contraction for your biceps to be able, that's the platform your biceps are moving from. And there's value in that. Now, you know, juxtapose that with like a, a machine bicep curl or like, you know, a preacher curl or something where, you know, you're not really having to use the rest of your body. You've kind of isolated your arm. And so it's just really the, the single joint moving now. Again, I don't think that that has as much value for us, but single joint movements, isolation movements, I think do have value for us, especially when you realize that what that means is the rest of your body is creating an isometric contraction. And I, you know, I'm a huge fan of isometrics. So the more isometrics that you can kind of slip into your program that way, I think the better. So, you know, and the other thing is the truth is training your arms, doing some curls it's not going to kill your functional gains. I, I hate to ruin that secret there, but it, it's doing some curls or not is not going to make you unfunctional, right? And it's also kind of fun, right? It is fun to train your arms. It's train. It's fun to see your biceps and triceps get bigger and popping a little bit, and you're you know getting your filling out your 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 riding jersey a little bit more. And there's some some uh, pleasure to be taken from that, right? And that's okay. That's all right. Uh, it can be taken too far, right? But, it, I, but again, a little bit here and there is fine. So um, the off season is really a good time for you to focus on doing this. Uh, during the riding season, especially like the heart of the riding season, you're putting so much energy into riding and recovering from riding that the odds of you being able to put enough recovery and energy into building muscle as well is really low, right? And so that's why during the season, you don't want to be trying to focus on building anything. You're not really trying to get stronger or, or more powerful or, you know, get build muscle. Really what you're trying to do is maintain 
what you've got. Like there's going to be a decline over the season. So the idea is I build this up as high as I can in the off season. And then I do what I can to, to slow the decline as much as I can. So that by the end of the season, it hasn't gotten to the point where it's really affecting me. Okay. And so that's the, that's the idea. But during the season, the, the strategy is different, but during the off season, like I said, especially early in the off season, having a month or two where you're focused on building muscle uh, can help you in a bunch of different ways. It'll help the later phases of your off season training. When you're getting into the strength and power stuff, like I said, the, the armor building, just helping against muscle loss. So, uh, you know, that's when I would recommend doing it. And that's why, again, in the ultimate MTB workout program, you see that in the off season that the, the early phases have some of this kind of bodybuilderish, um, higher volume stuff going on. And, you know, that's, again, there's, there's some method to that madness. Uh, but, you know, in general, try to look to get some sort of higher volume bodybuilding type stuff in every two to three training phases. Okay. So if a training phase for you is four weeks, then like every two to three months, you know, switch it up and, and do some sort of bodybuilder type thing. So, uh, you know, a great resource for that is uh, t-nation.com. They're, you know, still one of the, the best uh, resources for, uh, you know, for bodybuilding and, and learning how to create functional muscle as well. Like there is an art to that, right? Like you can create, you can bodybuild in a way that still creates functional muscle. And so, you know, some of these things that I've been talking about here are, are methods to do that. But t-nation.com is a great resource if you want to dip your toe into the uh, the bodybuilding uh, side of things and, and see, you know, some different tactics and workouts and things like that that can help you with that. So uh, again, like I said at the beginning, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? Functional training is the best way to train as a mountain biker. That should make up the foundation of your training. But bodybuilding still has things we can gain and learn from. And so don't, you know, just totally throw that out and think, oh, isolation exercises, unfunctional, you know, three sets of 10, unfunctional. And I'm a functional athlete and therefore I can never do those things, right? Like that's a, uh, you're, you're going to miss out on, on being a better functional athlete if you uh, have that mindset and you don't apply some of these bodybuilder lessons, especially as we get older guys and girls, right? If you are a 40 plus rider, this is super, super, super important for you to be uh, taking note of, especially because we're in a cardio sport, right? And so that naturally creates more of a muscle wasting uh, effect on the body. And so if you're aging and doing a, a aerobic cardio based activity like mountain biking, and you're not doing strength training period, or if you are, and you're not adding in some sort of bodybuilder type thing, then it's, it's really going to speed up that, that muscle loss. And you're going to find that you're going to start feeling it, uh, you know, how it affects your performance. So we don't want that. We want to ride for a lifetime. We want to ride at a high level for a lifetime. And so adding some bodybuilder stuff into your overall functional training approach will help you do that. So anyways, hopefully you guys have enjoyed this. Uh, I will, uh, I'm going to sign off now and I will talk to everybody next time.